Hi, you're listening to the RVC Podcast, a ministry of River Valley Church in Fresno, California. I'm going to turn your Bibles to James chapter 1. Uh, the book of James has a lot of great things to say. In particular, it begins to talk to us about trials and really the benefits that can come to our lives if we really see them uh, in light of God's word and God's truth. It's James chapter 1. Let's read together verse 2 through 5 this morning. Here's what James tells us. Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And if any of you lacks wisdom, let them ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to them. It's been said that, um, you're, well, you're either in you know, three categories, it's been said, uh, in, in any stage of your life. You're either uh, getting ready to go into a trial, or you're in the middle of a trial, or you're actually heading out of a trial, and you're hoping that it's all over, and it's never going to come back. That's actually pretty accurate, right? We think about, how many of you guys are actually dealing with a trial right now? You're walking through something, and it's, sometimes they're small, and sometimes they're massive, right? Sometimes they produce a lot of stress and anxiety in our lives. It's been said that trials will either break your back or bend your knee. They'll either drive you to the Lord to cling to him and trust in him, or they'll make you become angry at him. You'll either become a bitter human being, or if you allow the trial to work for your benefit, you'll become a better human being. A lot of times I'll get the question, like, why does a loving God allow us to go through hard times? Have you had that question before? We're just like, why? Why, God? Like, what benefit can come out of this? Well, part of the struggle with dealing with trials is that we don't have any answers. And we we think, like, well, when I get to heaven, boy, I'm going to ask God this question. I don't know that that's how it's going to go down. And we may never find the answers for the why that God allows difficulty to kind of hit our life. Now, James is writing to a group of Christians. It was sort of on the beginning stages of rise in persecution. Uh, the Christians were about to get severely persecuted with being uh, put to death, being imprisoned, uh, and certainly, you know, um, beaten and all the different things that the persecuted uh, church has dealt with. In fact, the Christian uh, is the most persecuted person in the world still today uh, in this world that we still live in. Well, James is letting them know, guys, you're going to face some levels of persecution, Some of it was economic for them. Some of it was socially. They were dealing with some persecution. And then James just says, and then just life kind of hits you. You and I live in a fallen world where we face some very difficult things. The challenge is, how does our faith stay strong uh, when when we're dealing with difficulties, right? Facing trials. Jesus gives us an interesting promise in his word. He says, here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. I've never seen that, by the way, like on somebody's wall. You know what I mean? It's usually like, you know, uh, you know, something about, you know, know, Jeremiah 29, 11, you know, thus does the Lord, you know, I have great plans for you. I love that one. I've never actually thought, I'm going to memorize this. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. Amen. Thank you, Lord. But Jesus continues, says, but take heart because I have overcome the world. I tend to focus on that first part. Why do we have to go through difficulties? Why is it going to be so, such a struggle? What's up with that in my life, Lord? Well, it's natural for us to face difficulty, hardship, loss, pain. 
But Jesus has overcome the world, and so will we through him. But how do we process it? How do we deal with the trials that kind of hit our life? I want to begin with reminding us some, some important truths that we find in God's word, some truths about who God is. Number one, God is good. We have to fall back and know that God is good. Psalm 73 tells us that. We also know, that, number two, that God is love. 1 John chapter 4 tells us that God is love. We also know through, from Scripture that God is sovereign. That means that God is in control and he's above all. So if you're facing something this morning difficult in your life, a trial that you, that's hit you, or maybe it's been a decade-long trial or even longer, you have to just in the back of your mind go, I'm not going to know why, but I'm going to fall back on some of these truths. God is good, God is love, and God is in control. I acknowledge that God is infinite. He sees everything. He has an eternal, eternal perspective about life and, and, and the whys of why he allows things to happen because he sees something bigger and better for our lives. We are finite. We look only at this life and we say, oh, it just doesn't make sense, God. It should be you know, working out different. So James says, guys, I want to help you understand and see the benefit in trial. He says, so to begin with, You've got to start with your reaction to trials. So number one, the reaction to trials that we face in life. He tells us, and it just sounds so crazy, doesn't it? In verse two, count it all joy. Is that your reaction to trials right now? Joy? It's not mine. I'm like, are you kidding me? Is this really happening again? Are we doing this, God? James says, meet the worst life presents you with joy. One author writing about this passage, he said, don't resent them as intruders, speaking of trials, but welcome them as friends. He invites you and I to see beyond the circumstances that there is a hidden work going on in your life. Somehow, Joseph is a person that we refer to a lot in the Bible uh, who's faced a lot of difficulty in his life. Joseph was sort of the, the, the favorite child uh, of Jacob. And so Joseph, you know, he had the, the technicolor coat. Um, it was actually the coat of many colors. And, you know, if there's, I don't know, big old show about him or something now. But uh, so he was like this favorite one. His brothers were jealous. And so they actually decided, they concocted a plan. They said, you know what, let's actually kill him. And one brother said, no, 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 let's don't kill our brother. Well, they just threw him into a pit. And then this group came by, and they sold him as a slave. And then as a slave to uh, Potiphar, he actually got a false accusation, and he went to jail. And can you imagine? Joseph's just going, okay, God, I just going to understand. Like, how is this beneficial? Well, we see the eternal perspective that that someone needed to get to Egypt to save the world of, you know, this massive famine, and in particular, the nation of Israel that was in its infant stage with Jacob and all the, the, the you know, the tribes of Israel. And so we can see that God does have a plan, but for, for Joseph, man, this doesn't make sense. Now, when we talk about counting it, you know, how you receive a trial or your reaction to trial... Let's remember, joy's not happy, like, Christian feelings. You know what I mean? It's not like, I'm so happy about this. You call your friend up, hey, how you doing? Like, man, I've never been better. What's going on? Oh, my car just caught on fire. Like, okay, you shouldn't be. No, 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 I'm counting it all joy, my brothers. You know what I mean? That's not, that's not the reaction. Maybe you might have seen um, the uh, Monty Python's uh, The Holy Grail, right? And there was, uh, you know, the Black Knight, you know what I mean? And he gets his arm cut off, and he's like, it's just a scratch, you know? It's just a flesh wound. He's like, your arm's off. Chops the other arm off. Tis, you know, it's just a flesh wound. 
Uh, a lot of times Christians can sort of like act like that. Oh, it's not that big of a deal. I'm, well, I'm trying to keep a heavenly perspective or whatnot. That's all good, but trials, you need to process them like a human being, right? Trials bring tears, brings pain. Some bring sorrow. Some bring heavy grief when you lose somebody. So us counting a, you know, it a joyful experience or counting it all joy going through a trial, it doesn't mean we leave aside our humanity. We process it like everything else. And that's why it's not a happy feeling. The, to, to count it all joy, it allows for us to embrace everything that a trial brings, anger, sorrow, pain, fears, but joy in the Lord. Somehow internally you can have still a joy saying, God, I know you're in control and I know that there's going to be something that's great that's going to come out of it. Some people might say, well, that's, I feel like I'm being fake because I'm actually like, no, it's not fake, it's faith. You're taking a step of faith saying, God, somehow I believe that you're in control. Romans chapter 8 tells us this in verse 28, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So that joy is based on that I see that there's something bigger that God is doing, right? There's a, it's an opportunity in disguise. And then when James says, when you face them, nobody is exempt from trials. We're all going to, to experience them. That The word literally means this, to, that, that when we face them, it's an, it means this, uh, an unwelcomed, unanticipated experience. It's the same word that Jesus uses when he said a man was going down to Jericho and he fell into the hand of some robbers, where we read about the story of the Good Samaritan in the Gospel of Luke. It's the same idea that he didn't, he's just sort of going to, you know, where, going to Jericho, go buy some stuff, I don't know, go see a movie. And all of a sudden, it's like an unwelcomed punch in the face is what happened. He got beat up, he got totally robbed, and they stripped him naked, just left him there. That would say that would be an unwelcomed, unanticipated experience. And he says there, there are various kinds of trials. We might have like many layers of trials going on at the same time. It could be financial trials. You could have lost your job uh, or a change in position, right? Unexpected bills that show up. There could be relational trials that you face. Your marriage hits a bump or a brick wall. Your friends... You know, you have some issues or family or children or maybe you have an ex-spouse that has created a lot of trials for your life or just hardships that kind of come from without. Maybe some are internal. Maybe some are from our own choices that all of a sudden now a trial has emerged in our life or you get persecuted for your faith. That certainly is a trial. If we don't receive those trials with joy, they have potential to actually make us into bitter human beings angry human beings, or cause us to be discouraged. That's why James says, no, meet them with joy, because there's something that's happening. James says, here's the, here's the um, reaction to a trial. Joy and faith, right? And then it's because you see the potential of the trial. Number two, the potential of the trial is what James was really getting at. Hey, receive it with joy. He says in verse three, for you know that the testing of your faith, it produces this incredible trait, steadfastness, and let it have its full effect so that you will emerge out of that trial perfect, complete, lacking nothing. Again, 
God, I know that you're good. I know that you are loving. I know that you're sovereign. Your ways are way beyond my understanding, that this trial is not for my destruction. This is not the end of me. It is a part of the process of me and you becoming exactly what God wants you to become. How many of you guys want to have a stronger faith today? Like, you want to be stronger in your faith. You want to be able to, you know, say, man, I I have such spiritual maturity. That doesn't come from, like, a class that we do next fall. Like, uh, if you want to have a strong faith, read this book. That's not how it works. You know how it works? God allowing you to go through some hard stuff. That's how it works. And you'll have a stronger faith. Somehow, only through hardship does that actually happen in our life? And that's a faith decision. God, I believe that there's going to be something good that will emerge. Here's some of the ways that God uses them. He gives us, well, a strength. You'll have a stronger faith. Again, for we know, for you know. That means that they've learned by experience how God has used something in the past. Let me ask you something. Have you ever dealt with something in your life, and it's not something you would ever wish would happen again, but you look back at it, and you go, boy, that was a hard time, but it actually was like a really great time in the sense that God used it in your life. That it would only, you'd only emerged from actually walking through that trial. Does anyone else have some experiences like that? You face something. Sometimes they're tiny. You know, like I'm going to trust God. I can't control a situation. And I'm just going to let God be God. And then God is God, and he does that work in our life. You're like, man, I'm so glad I trusted in him instead of freaking out. That was like a better reaction to that situation. Good things are coming as you walk through them, right? Those who are tested, they emerge stronger in their lives and purer in their lives. Like heavy loads in life strengthen us. Do you, you know, like in NASA, like when in NASA... <laughs> Like, when you go out in outer space, right, that the bone density of astronauts actually diminishes daily. Want to know why? Because they're out in orbit, and they're just floating around. You know what I mean? How awesome is that? Like, spin an Oreo cookie over to your friend, and it just, right? And you're just floating. It's like, oh, it's my back. I mean, that would actually be awesome every so often. Like, oh, my back doesn't hurt anymore, Right? But you're actually, they're getting weaker and weaker and weaker, and they end up coming back to earth, and their bones, they've actually aged in their in bone density like 20 years. You've got to have heavy load in life, physically, if you're actually going to be a stronger person. Well, that's the way it is in your faith. You've got to go through some hard stuff. Psalm 119, verse 67 says, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I obey your word. Sometimes difficulty comes our way because God's trying to strengthen our faith and also bring out a purity in our lives. There's a purifying quality about trials that you cannot become strong without walking through them. Our hardships, our trials, they're really the Lord's instruments to make us into people who are spiritually strong. That's why James uses that word, the testing of your faith. It proves the genuineness of it, that you actually have a faith. You trust in God. It shows up in your life. And yet, God still wants to make it stronger, so he asks you to walk through it trusting in him. It's like silver, you know, that, that they, they, 
if you want to have purified silver or some purified metal, you've got to actually raise the heat, right, so that it begins to boil and then it cools down and all the impurities emerge on the top and the silversmith begins that process of scraping it off and then doing it again and over and over and over until finally that pure metal uh, appears. David said this in Psalm 66, for you, O God, have tested us. You have tried us as silver is tried. You brought us into the net. You laid a crushing burden on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water. But notice this. Yet you have brought us out to a place of abundance. If I, we could describe your life in five years and say, you know what I want to be? I, I want to be in a place of abundance. Like this isn't like some, you know, name it and claim it preaching going on. Like, how many of y'all want some abundance? Oh, yeah, I want abundance. How many of you guys want a Rolls Royce? Yeah, abundance. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about an etern- internal, like spiritual abundance. You say, God, that's what I want. Man, he describes some very difficult life experiences. Burdens on their back, being tossed into a net, tried as silver is tried and fired up. He said, we went through fire, we went through water. Well, then that's how they got to the place of abundance. Trials, he says, if you and I let them, like, fulfill their potential in our life, they develop steadfastness. That's a place of abundance, isn't it? It's a word that means staying power, constancy, and fortitude. I want that trait, but, man, it means that you've got to look at trials in a way that God is asking you to look at them. They're coming, by the way, and they're going to come and go in your life just because you're a human being. But if you and I harness what God's word is saying and take a step of faith saying, God, I'll receive it with joy because I see the potential of the trial that is going to make me have a stronger faith. I'm going to be a stronger human being because I've walked through this. Uh, Back in my sort of weightlifting days, um, I still play around with weights, but when I was like dead serious, you know what I mean? Like, man, I've got to like eat 15 cups of oatmeal for breakfast and 20 chicken breasts a day, you know, that kind of, where I just like, you know, wanted to be like Arnold, you know what I mean? The non-political Arnold, just the bodybuilding Arnold. And, um, and, and, uh, and then, I, you know, I was really into weightlifting, and I was a trainer during that time, and I remember people would say, like, oh, man, I really want to get big. I'm like, nah, you don't. You don't want to get big. Like, why do you say that? Because you don't want to suffer, man. you got to suffer. You want to you get big and shredded and have abs and all that kind of stuff? You want your Instagram page to blow up? you got to suffer. It means you can't, like, at 12 at night go, you know what sounds good? Lucky Charms. I mean, right? How good are Lucky Charms at midnight? Can we get an amen for just something good like that, right? Captain Crunch, right? All of a sudden, your roof of your lining your mouth is like torn to shreds, but it's worth it. It was worth the whole box, wasn't it? You, you want to go to the gym. You want to get on that little thing. Oh, I'm not making fun of anybody. I'm just saying... If you want to get big and strong, you got to suffer. you got to actually go, be willing to go through that stuff. That's why I'm going to have lucky charms at midnight tonight. That unswerving constancy that James says comes in our life when we allow those trials to just, like, I'm going to stay in it, man. 
I'm not going to say, God, get me out of this. I'm going to say, God, help me to get everything out of it that you want me to get. That unswerving constancy, it comes to us under pressure, not in times of ease, right? A diamond, girl's best friend. A diamond is just coal that has had intense pressure over a period of time. Without that pressure, it's just a lump of coal. It remains coal. See, their faith, that this group James writing to, he said they had a genuine faith. That's why he said it's going to be a tested faith. But it wasn't a mature faith yet. And guess what? Maturity spiritually is a lifelong process. I wish you could get it from a book. We can learn some things from books. Have you ever read a book on raising kids? Seems easy enough, right? It's, oh, yeah. It's like, uh, what was it? Baby wise. You know what I mean? We're just like, you know, before our babies showed up, we're like, oh, baby wise. Well, that doesn't sound so bad. 2 a.m. just like going, that author probably didn't have one child. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> You gotta let it, you gotta let it marinate. You gotta, you gotta stay in the trial. The only way you get that kind of strength is going through it. Tested faith becomes spiritually tough and rugged. So you let that let that test keep going. That's why James says, let it have its full effect. Weather the storm. Eugene Peterson interprets this verse, verse four, this way. He says, So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature, well-developed, and not deficient in any way. I like that. This is the means to the end, having a mature, strong life. When he said perfect, he doesn't mean sinless, just mature. When you go through a trial and you let it have its perfect work in your life, you become single-minded, don't you? Like, you know what? Here's what really matters in life. What matters in life is being strong in, the, in my faith. What matters in life is knowing God personally having loyalty to Jesus, becoming a solid, stable, you know, believer with a consistent character. When he uses that word complete, it means whole and entire. It means pure also. There's a purifying effect. Impurities come to the surface. You go through trial, you find that you have some strength now to put to, like, the temptations that you face. And you actually learn how to reject your flesh and actually live for the Lord. And he says, and lacking nothing, right? Fully developed like a sword that's been tempered in fire and water and fire and water, and now it's ready to go out into battle. After you emerge from it, you look back and you see that God was there and that God worked in your life. There's a, uh, one of the greatest preachers you know, over the last couple centuries, C.H. Spurgeon. He was a British preacher during the 1800s. Uh, he was, he was uh, coined the phrase they called him, his fellow pastors called him the prince of preachers. He actually said this about trials. He says, I've looked back to times of trial with a kind of longing, not to have them return, but to feel the strength of God as I have felt it then, to feel the power of faith as I have felt it then, to hang upon God's powerful arm as I hung upon it then, and to see God at work as I saw him then. Isn't that a great statement about trials? Is that somehow God is there. And you emerge with a stronger faith. That's why he said, let it have its full effect. That steadfastness, that weathering the storm. This is the means 
to the end. Joseph, again, sold as a slave, jailed for a false accusation, emerged from the trials as pure gold and was able to say to his brothers after decades of them having the guilt of actually selling him to be a slave in Egypt, he said, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. That's what a trial will do in your life. You have a strong faith. You're like, you know what? God, you allowed this because of this. I'm in the place of abundance. He went from the pit to the jail to the second in command in the greatest world power of the time, to the palace. But he had to go through some trials. Do you know the story of butterflies? They, uh, you know, you could float like a butterfly, sting like a bee if you're a great boxer. You didn't even get that. That was Muhammad Ali, ladies and gentlemen. I think he said it better than that. Butterflies, you know, they're like a caterpillar, right? You know the deal, right? They eat up all stuff. You go away in winter break. You show up back, and there's butterflies floating around in the little cage at kindergarten. But when they're trying to emerge from that cocoon, you just feel like, oh, I feel so bad for that tiny little creature. You know what I mean? We, by the way, we do this to our children, too, and we enable them. So that's a different sermon. That's going to come in a couple more weeks. But uh, it's just like, oh, let me make it easy on you. Now you're just like, man, why? With the children part. But the butterfly, don't help them out. Because they've got to struggle to get out. And if you just go and get a little razor blade and say, no, let me help you out, little buddy. They will have all that, like, gunk on their wings and they'll die. Way to go. Just murdered a butterfly. They have to squeeze out. They've got to struggle. And that's how it happens, man, in life. God gives us all these little clues. You do a little workout, you get a little stronger. They're like, no, that wouldn't be the way it works in our spiritual life, wouldn't it? Yes, it's the way it works. It's an opportunity in disguise. Here's something else that happens, James mentions in verse 5. He says, and when you're going through a trial, you need wisdom. Let him ask God. Trials have a way of sort of driving us to our knees, don't they? And so you have a stronger faith, but guess what else? The potential of trials, you have a closeness to Jesus, you look back and you go, boy, I don't think I've ever been closer to the Lord than when I was walking through that difficult time. It helps us get closer to the Lord, drives us to him. Once again, we rediscover what really matters in life is my relationship with God. You realize that you're no match for life and that you need him in your life. You don't know what to do, so you ask him for guidance. You ask him for wisdom, as he says in verse 5, and that we find out we're more desperate than we thought when we go through a trial, aren't we? Like, oh, I got this. And then a trial hits you like, Lord, I really need you. God, I need you. You have my attention. Your prayer life grows. You begin to search God's word for strength, and God begins to speak to you. Out of some of the most difficult experiences in my life, I found that it was actually a time that I, was, I had the most intimacy with the Lord. It's just the way it works, and God knows that. I'm, it's always amazing to me how, like, unlike human beings that God is. You know, remember junior high, high school, your, your, your friend would get a boyfriend or get a girlfriend. Like, oh, what happened to so-and-so? He's like, well, God rest their soul, they got a girlfriend, right? Like, we don't ever see them anymore. And then, you know, you find out through the grapevine that things aren't working out so good. And, uh, you know, it's not you, it's me. Uh, you know, or I just want to be friends. Or God told me you're just my brother in Christ and Christian breakups are the worst you guys blame it on God I didn't grow up going to church it was just like I don't like you anymore I'm like okay thank you very much appreciate that and uh um and so 
then they show up again, right? Oh, there's Jimmy. What's he doing here? Who invited you to our lunch table? You know what I mean? They start showing up again. Sometimes we're kind of like that with God, right? We get out of a trial. It's like, ah, I don't really have time for my devotions. I don't have time. I'm so grateful that God doesn't go like, oh, now you want to talk to me, right? He's a loving father with open arms, always ready to come into your life, waiting and longing to bless you. There's so much for you and I to, to, to receive from him. And sometimes trials are the things that kind of bring us to that place again. We're like, man, I really want to have a stronger walk with you, God. We lack wisdom. I don't know what to do. We listen to God. This world's view, you know, the things that you and I get tied up with, all of a sudden it starts to lose its, its luster. You know what I mean? You just become a person. It's like, man, I want my life just to really be about Jesus Christ. You go, you go closer to him. You know what I mean? You long to be with God. You, you take the opportunity to really talk less to others about your problem. And man, I just really want to speak with the Lord. A little less TV, a little less social media, a little more Bible time. And you, you grow closer to him. There's, a, there's another benefit that I think, it's the last benefit that we see trials, the potential of a trial in our life, is that, is that God doesn't waste the pain. You, you grow in likeness to Jesus as well. You get stronger faith, you get closer to him, and you become more like him. Have you ever, have you ever judged somebody who's going through something, and you just said, like, Can't, just get it together? Can you just get it together? And then you yourself go through something similar, or you have a friend or a loved one that goes through something similar, and then you're just like, compassion, and you see families, and you see people, and you just go, man, I can't believe that I would ever be so critical of them. I actually have a, I, I can actually taste the experience in, in a small way, and you just become more like Jesus, right? Silver that gets purified, the gunk comes up and scraped off. The silversmith knows that his work is done when he can actually look into that silver and see his image, that's kind of what happens in our life. The image of Jesus is imprinted on your life. And you just have more compassion for people. You're able to actually become an other-centered person. You can feel other people's pain, right? Only those who've gone through the fires of, like, divorce and rejection know that pain. Boy, they can, they can relate. You know what I mean? You can actually relate and go, yeah, that sucks, man. That's a worst, right? Or loss. I, I, I don't want to go through. I wish, I wish you and I could just be super compassionate people just in general. It's like I don't want to go through more stuff to become more like Jesus. Again, I, I just like to read a book about it. You know what I mean? Like Jesus-wise or something like that. But through life, you go through something else oh, yeah, I, I, I kind of know what that guy's going through. I can, I can actually feel their pain. You know what we should do? We should actually go alongside them and pray with them. Maybe we should be a little more patient with them, knowing what they're dealing with. God doesn't waste our pain. He wants to use it, those trials we face, to help others through some of their problems. Paul tells us this about God. He says in 2 Corinthians 1, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, God is merciful, God is a mer our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles. Isn't that awesome? Even the troubles we bring on ourselves. I'm not going to get a show of hands because I don't want to call you out, but like, just nod if you're like, yeah, some of my trials, just me, my dumb self. Yeah, me too. I feel you. 
He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can what? Comfort others. So that we can comfort somebody else. He didn't want you to just be isolated. Hey, I'm going to help you through this. Thanks a lot, God. No, now go and be a source of comfort to somebody else. When they are troubled, we are able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. We pray things like, God, use me. And sometimes our greatest ministry comes out of our greatest pain and failures in life. I love my recovery community that is a part of of River Valley Church. Because that community, you know, if you've ever been in, you know, like AA or if you've ever got, like, that's the group that I just go, they're the freest in our community. Like, there's no more BS. um, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that. Um, on church on a Sunday morning. Bologna sandwich. There's no bologna sandwich in that group. It is, uh, can you guys just forgive me? I was like, I don't even know how that came out. I just like, my wife and I, that's how we talk at home. That's how she talked. I'm just kidding. (laughs) And so um, (laughs) I love that community. You know what I love about it is that they're, they realize they're broken. The rest of us are still trying to figure that out, right? And then they just are broken people that are, they're, they're wounded healers, you might say, right? And see, that's how God wants to use us. And by the way, we're all broken. We're all a giant mess. We all have our struggles. We all need Jesus Christ. There's not one person here that, that the Lord says, every one of you needs uh, the, the cross of Jesus to cover your sins except for Frank. You know what I mean? Because Frank doesn't believe he's a sinner. I use the name that I don't think anyone goes to RVC named Frank anymore. So it's a safe one. You understand that? Like God wants to use you. You emerge from that trial. You have a stronger faith. You're closer to the Lord. But be like him and go be a wounded healer. Go bring Christ and, and hope into somebody else's life and point them in the direction. I know this is lame. I know this is... Well, why is God allowing this? I had a conversation this week with someone going through a pretty horrific trial right now. And I said, please don't think of this trial as God going like, I'm going to allow this, or I'm going to whip up this storm in your life. Some of it's life. Some of it's Satan, right? What I told that person is that don't think of, I had an injury back in my, when I was 20 years old, six years ago. And uh, I, I, I fell into a swimming pool that was covered in ice. I, need, I don't know why I'm telling you this story right now, but uh, it severed my patella tendon, almost cho- chopped off my leg. It almost chopped off my leg. And, and so I, I said to her, listen, don't, I didn't think like there was an angel going, this could be really good in Gordon's life. Boom. You know what I mean? I was stupid chopping up ice blocks in a swimming pool. You know what I mean? I should have known like, hey, ice is like sharp. You shouldn't be messing around with ice. So I fell in because I was the dodo head with the hatchet chopping up ice. What I said was that because you're a Christian, God gets the most mileage out of it, right? Some of it's Satan. Some of it's us. All of it's allowed by God. We can say that to be true. But some of it's just being in a broken world and bad stuff happens. But because you belong to him and because you see the potential in a trial and because you stay in it and you trust God in it, He gets the most mileage out of it in your life. And you actually do get into a better spot, into a place of abundance, because you actually weathered the storm. Trials are part of life. So, Christian, can I encourage you this morning? Embrace it. Embrace it. Try to find a way to internally say, God, 
I'm going to welcome this as joy because I see the potential of what you're going to do in my life. Something big is going to come out of this. You'll have a stronger faith. You'll have a closer walk. You'll be more like your Lord with lots of compassion. There's a new depth that will happen in your life as you're able to help others. There's a new growth. There's a deeper intimacy with Jesus, a greater sense of his presence with you. You know, one of the great things about being a part of a faith community, a church, a body, fellowship of Christians, is that we can actually, this is the place you can actually just sort of lower your defenses down. You can hide the little mask, all the things that we say, hey, how you doing? I'm fine. I'm doing. Your kids are like going, what a liar, man. Like, it's chaos. It's chaos in our household, right? Church should be the place, like I said, in our recovery communities where you just got like, man, this is real. We got to be real here. That's why we have people ready to pray every single service. Every single service. The reality is that within a 12-month cycle of time, you're going to go through some hard stuff. You're going to have opportunities too, by the way. It'd be foolish for, for us to not believe what God says about prayer and say, when two or three are gathered in my name, right, there I am in the midst, or whatever you ask, right, according to his will, you will be granted the petition that you ask. Right? Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened. What a foolish thing that we would actually go, no, I'm fine, and not receive prayer. It's available every single service. We'd love to pray with you and for you what you're going on. We also have a prayer night coming up. You don't have to put your name down, but say what's going on in the connection card or in your bulletin. There's actually a specific prayer request page for you to write that down. Wouldn't it be awesome for us to sense God's nearness when we're going through difficulty? Wouldn't it be great for us to see in 12 months, in 2020, that, man, look at what God is doing in our lives because God was with us through those times. Amen? And maybe you're here this morning and, and you're not at that place yet. You've not, you don't have a relationship with God. For you, Christianity is a list of do's, a list of don'ts. And, uh, you know, be super religious. Don't say BS in church. But if you're honest, if you're honest right now, you're like, I, I don't think I have a relationship with God. I don't think I know him. Do you know him? Do you, do you have a relationship with him? Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has wiped away your sins and that when you take your last breath on this planet, see, there's the hope. One day we'll, we'll, we'll spend eternity with God in heaven where there's no more trials, no more tears, no more pain, no more suffering. But you don't have that hope this morning. Man, right where you're sitting, you could recognize that. God, I acknowledge that. I'm, I, I need you in my life. A person becomes a believer by admitting that they're a sinner, asking God's forgiveness and willing to turn away from sin, believing that Christ died on the cross for you and rose from the dead, and, and really receiving Jesus to be the Savior and the Lord, the Lord of your life as you receive him into your heart. Becoming a Christian is not merely believing some kind of creed, right, or going to church. It's about having Christ himself take up residence in your heart where you can know a peace and a joy and a love and a satisfaction that's never possible outside of him. Maybe that's you this morning, man. Just, I, I want to encourage you to take that step and say, God, I want you in my life. Would you pray with me now? Father, thank you for your love and your grace. And Lord, thank you today for the, the promises that we have that you are with us in trials, Lord. We, we don't understand why some of my friends here at this church, God, are going through just horrific stuff. <laughs> way beyond their control. And God, I, I'm going to ask you to come alongside them. Continue to come alongside them. And Jesus, may we all see you, feel your presence, and cling to you, Lord. And Lord, believe somehow, some way, God, you're going to allow that thing 
to turn us into the people that you're calling us to be.